0: Welcome listeners to the Elmore Leonard's to episode seven where we're breaking down two of the big bounces. We're having a double bounce day um, and we're uh, having a good time. How are you guys liking the podcast so far?
1: Yeah, I'm liking it. It's a, it's a good way to kind of go through movies I haven't seen or go through movies I have seen, but kind of just uh, you know, review them more closely. So that's cool. Yeah, with, with a critical eye.
2: Mm-hmm. Really, it has caused me uh, to uh, observe the movies in a different way. Yeah.
0: No, that's, that's been real great. And then, um, you know, like I, I told a few people at work about it. And like I walked into a meeting the other day and one of my coworkers was like, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. And cool, so like just word of mouth, I think has been great. Um, and, uh, I actually, uh, reached out to, I found a Facebook page called the Elmore Leonard Appreciation Society and got our Facebook page added to it. And then just put like a little post like, Hey, if anyone's interested, listen to this, this is our background, you know, like we come by it honestly. So that's, that's been a blast. And then even like I was telling dad, my stepdad called my dad because he was at the video uh, store to ask him about the movies that we haven't covered yet to see if he should get any so we can watch them. I mean, if that isn't a great just thing, uh, yeah. that, that's that's amazing. That speaks so highly of just uh, uh, our family in general, how we can just be cool with one another, but also that you know this this little experience, this little podcast enterprise, is um, making that happen.
2: Yes, I have to tell you, anyone and everyone that I have told that we're doing this thinks it's the greatest idea they ever heard. Yeah, they're <laughs> totally positive about it. Oh man, that's great. You know, it's
0: super cool. Nice. Yeah. No, it feels feels good, and and like Drew's saying, like a great excuse to dive back into these movies and books um, that we just that I haven't uh, revisited in a long time, and a lot of them I haven't even seen in the first place. So it's a, it's a yeah, it, it's yeah. Like, it, it's like that feeling when you're reading a really good book and you realize you you've only read a hundred pages of the six hundred pages, and so you just have. 500 more pages of delight that's right. that's what it feels like <laughs> cool um i think uh like i mentioned before i think i want to try this now that i know the editing process a little bit more drew if you're down i think we can do a little mcconaughey in stereo yeah, um right. but to make it wow. but to, but to make it work we have to go one at a time and then in post i'll i'll splice them together and put one in each ear so i think i think our mcconaughey's should describe the weather all right all right looks like the weather's going right, to be another well, cold right. one out there today going to have a low like 25 might warm up to about 38 so, so look for that snow month. to be coming through Seventy-two. start later. melting the world it's a little cloud don't you know, let that don't let the water take over because then it's you're going to have to have gills it's behind your ears tears. kind of like that kevin costner guy Uh, I love it. All right. Well, that was, that was McConaughey and Stereo. I just want to uh, say you're welcome to the, all the listeners. Um, it's a great thing. It's something uh, Drew and I have always wanted to do. And now that we have a podcast, uh, it gives us an excuse to do that. Cool. All right. I think we can, we can uh, dive into it. So how did you, uh,
2: how did you guys like
0: these movies
2: overall? I have to say, they're pretty bad movies. They're they're pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, th- I think you know, like I said, here in the uh, the old stomping ground of Elmore Leonard, for those two movies, he went to California and Hawaii. Terrible mistake.
0: Yeah, should have been Key Largo. Should have been. In, in the book, originally, it was in the Thumb area of Michigan, so it's like Port Austin, right? Which I'm not sure if that's that's not movie material.
2: Uh, perhaps not, but it fit with the small uh, motel, yes, um, resort uh, thing, which didn't translate to California or Hawaii very
0: well. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's true. So I mean like we would that's like El Cortez type of exactly. Yeah. That's that's true. That was a resort up in off uh Lake Huron. Um,
2: which that's the thumb.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, so so two movies were made. One was made in 1969 um and one and then another one was made in 2004. Uh, and the movie itself is – or the, the – sorry, the book itself is actually a pretty interesting story because it's actually Elmore's first crime novel. Right. Because he had been doing westerns up until then, and I, I – once again, I didn't do my homework and print off the introduction. I went, to, uh, I went to the Elmore Leonard, like the official website of Elmore Leonard, and they have something on there called The Dutch Forum. Which is basically a uh, it's just a message board of um people that you know they want to talk about different details of elmore leonard books and and comment and and go back and forth and stuff uh and it was uh, moderated by his uh, researcher and then in 2012 it was pretty much shut down but you can still read it It's, it's read only so you can't contribute anymore but you can you can dive in there. So I, I found, I don't know if it was a series of, you know, straight to video movies like this, but there were introductions by Elmore on some of his books. And he wrote out this pretty interesting thing. And it, it kind of dives into his um, his personal timeline of where he was and when he wrote the movie And I'll just paraphrase it because I've read it a couple times. But basically he said he decided to quit his ad agency job and write full time. And and this is like late 50s. And right around that time, and he was writing Westerns at the time. So he was just going to be a full time Western writer. Right when he quit his ad agency jobs, Westerns became the deadest market, mainly because he said, um, there was so many television shows of Westerns that it flooded the market and then no one was into it. And so he, he had to go back in and, and do some ad agency stuff. So we spent about two years writing zero fiction. He was still a writer, but he wasn't doing any fiction. He was doing like technical writing and ad agency writing and things like that. And then in 61, the rights to ombre was bought so he got so he got kind of a windfall in cash which allowed him to to quit his jobs again and focus fully on writing what was going to be his first crime novel so he'd like kind of learned his lesson he's going to be a full-time writer but he's not going to be a western writer anymore so he's going to go into crime and so that, that is the big bounce. The original title of it is Mother, This is Jack Ryan. Um, and so he wrote it. His literary agent at the time fell sick, and she later, uh, she later died. But she said, you should talk to this guy. I think it's H.N. Swanee or Swanson, something like that. He's kind of a famous literary agent. And, uh, so the first book that that new agent got was mother, this is Jack Ryan, AKA the big Bumps, And he was just like, did you write this book? And Elmore was like, yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't. And he just said, kid, I'm going to make you rich. And so he's like, okay, let's send these to publishers. And he got 84 rejections in a span of three months. Um, Like the publishers just did not want to make this or did not want to publish the book. And so he said, normally, if you get that many professionals rejecting your work, you're just going to put it in a drawer and never, never revisited it again. But he decided he was just going to rewrite it. All it needed was a plot and he needed to change the title. He said the title was pretty, it just wasn't, it wasn't catchy enough. And he said the idea of the name Big Bounce came from an Esquire, uh, the magazine Esquire, an article about women of southern Los Angeles and how they're bored easily and when... Um, when they're when they get bored they look for a thrill if it's not drugs or sex it's you know it's crime and things like that and they're always looking for kicks and the big bounce Uh, so that's where the big bounce he actually got that from an Esquire magazine and then finally got it published in 60 uh, maybe 69 I want to say the movie the movie studio and the publishers sort of grabbed it at the same time, I think, uh, because he sort of helped with the script a little bit because he was kind of doing that as well. Um, so yeah. It, oh, also he said, Jack Ryan, the main character in The Big Bounce, he thought about sort of doing a, a Clive Cussler thing where it's the same main character through all the books, kind of like a Dirk Pitt, speaking of McConaughey. Um but the way some of the movie studio agreements work is that when they buy the rights to that book, they own that character for a number of years. And so he actually said most of his main characters are simply Jack Ryan. He just, for legal reasons, had to change the names. Wow, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. For a book that, you know, in Elmore's, in Elmore's life and his, His timeline as a writer has like a is a significant, you know, entry point into his world. Two horrible movies were made out of it.
2: (laughs) They they didn't work. Yeah, the the films.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: Drew. Drew, what is what were your thoughts on the on the films? So like uh, having watched, I watched them both back to back. Uh, starting with the 1969 one, then the 04, okay. and uh, it was like, yeah, there were. I disliked the 04 one the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought yes. it had some quirky characters that I love seeing in movies. Yeah, but I I enjoyed a lot more about the 1969 one, uh, especially the soundtrack. I like these like the 60s and 70s style of like you get one theme song or one soundtrack song and you just use it throughout you like instrumental you have it with lyrics with acapella and i just thought the song really worked well it was by donny osmond oh nice it was the when somebody cares for you and i just thought it was was a good song and there was a lot more nudity in the 1969 (laughs) one and it was like it helped redeem it uh I have that note. I I just wrote boobs and butts, exclamation point. A lot, a lot of it. (laughs) And uh, the two characters, uh, Nancy and Ryan, or Jack Ryan, uh, are married at this time. At that time, yeah.
0: Actually, sorry, uh, the introduction to um, that Elmore introduction that I was uh, referencing, he talked to uh, his literary, literary agent and they said oh they're going to shoot the movie in california and elmore said great you can probably just grab some people from peyton place which is like the soap opera of its day like dynasty or um yes melrose place type of thing so it's like peyton place and those two ryan o'neill and lee taylor young who play uh jack ryan and nancy are in Peyton Place, and that's where they met and married. Um, so, in in the 2004 one, there's no excuse that it's why it's horrible because you have this all star cast. You have Owen Wilson, Morgan Freeman, Charlie Sheen, you know, even Vinnie Jones, like you're saying, like the kooky characters. Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise. These are all like these guys, these people have gravitas. And the 69 one, it's. You know it's soap opera people playing in the movie so you almost like ex- your your expectations aren't super high so it kind of like makes it better in a way you're not so angry at the movie <laughs> Although, and, and, and drew you're but, correct when when a movie starts to kind of suck i just start paying attention to the sound like the music and sound design the outfits or the architecture and so I have notes on on those
1: three things <laughs> like, yeah I end up with some notes about like the uh, some of the camera shots and the soundtrack and uh, also like a film coming out in 1969 is up against tough comparisons for example, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid came out in 1969 Midnight Cowboy, Easy Rider, the Wild Bunch. On her Majesty's Secret service true grit so like up against really good <laughs> movies and then you have this one yeah impossible
0: um I, I think the the 69 one uh I wrote here worst opening ever and it's just because it's this this anchor man how shoehorned it it, it it is to get to the action of the guy he's supposed to be doing a, a news report and he goes wait a minute something's happening here zoom in and it's like okay we could have skipped the news thing and you could have just focused on the fight the opening fight at the baseball game
2: right that was an awkward way to start
0: yeah (laughs) but it had to lead them to oh this is how we got it on film and this is how the justice of the peace guy can who van helflin from uh 310 to yuma right right <laughs> yeah and he's got some doozy of a lines there he goes uh that guy's got a knife as long as yours," and then he looks at the guy and he goes well maybe longer
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it was it, it had a real 1969 feel to it
0: yeah <laughs> and it's set in california and i have here uh a noting on just on the music got some good 60s bass and guitar work like it's got it's got that thumpy high-end bass that there would be like this real thump that you would get from all the pop songs in the 60s which is i'm just like i like it take me there
1: i love the uh just movies in general but then also particularly like older movies like this one just the generic signage they use where the sign just says the bus depot and then a poster advertising the bus that just says fun bus it's like amazing amazing signage work
2: and did you notice the sign that said beer 25 cents
1: Mm-mm. i did not
2: and i think he ends up paying for a beer and it's a quarter yeah yeah, and they all had. I noticed they all had the coolest cars ever.
0: That's yeah, exactly. If, okay, if the, if this movie's gonna suck, let me at least look at some good cars, right? Some good music. I like. I have a a, a note here. Sh- short sleeve mock turtlenecks. I'm really, I've really been into those lately. And Jack Ryan is is wearing that sort of gold one throughout the whole movie. Um. So as as someone who grew up in Key Largo was that something that you could wear like i'm just trying to imagine is does it get too hot at some point do your arms get cold dad <laughs>
2: i i don't ever remi- remember wearing that but i did wear dickies you know what a dicky is
0: like a work shirt
2: it's a fake turtleneck okay it's, it's a turtleneck with like a little bib and you'd wear oh, yeah. a shirt, and then put this dickey on.
0: Yes, uh,
2: I don't know the origin of the name. And, okay, uh, and it looked like you were wearing a full turtleneck. Yeah, and that was decidedly cooler than going with two shirts.
0: Okay, now would you, would your neck area, where that turtleneck is, would that get a little a little uncomfortable if you were in the you know in the wrong
2: spot? Uh, yeah, it could.
0: Yeah, you you would have to like pick and choose when and where you wear that
2: yeah you'd want to, and you'd want to make sure you got it loose enough and all that okay. good stuff
0: nice, nice yeah i want I want to know all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I saw do you remember uh, uh I think it was on Showtime. It was called Magic City with Jeffrey Dean Morgan as a hotel manager in miami
2: oh i did I do remember that
0: so, and he had two sons that were kind of he was sort of grooming to take over they lived in the, in one of the hotels one of the sons always wore like the short sleeve but mock turtleneck the look and i'm just like i am into that look but how do they how do they not just heat up so bad in that miami heat right
2: well they stay in the air yeah
0: yeah exactly you stay in the nice hotel Cool. And then I have a square thing in my pocket. I think that was when Van Helfen is talking to Jack Ryan about the job, giving him the the handyman job. Square thing in my pocket. I don't know why I have the notes.
1: No, that was when uh, uh, Richie drives up at the bus stop. And Jack Ryan's asking for him for a cigarette and he had just put his cigarettes in his pocket.
2: All oh, right. And he's
1: like, I don't have a cigarette. He's like, I don't got any. He says, what's that square thing in your pocket? And he just says a square thing in my pocket. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right.
0: Because I have here, were there alts, alts in the script or did they improvise that? And they like, cut, let's do another take this time, Richie, you say something a little more, you know, it's my penis or something like or, um, you know, it's a, it's a box of cocaine, mind your business or something. It's just like, uh, it seemed like the most uncreative thing to say back to him. Cool. Uh, once again, going back to, um, so I start to look at the agriculture or the architecture. Uh, in the beach house, uh, it's very gaudy. Uh, I would have liked to seen a little more minimalism in the design the thing is packed uh, right. this is this is Nancy's Beach House that thing is to the brim decorated
2: right well it was actually Nancy's boss's beach house right 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 uh, and and I I noticed that my note was Beach House real fancy yeah and, <laughs> and and even in 1969,
0: it seems the houses
2: like, weren't that fancy.
0: Okay, yeah, and that, that's why that's why my brain was like, no, nah, it should be should be minimalist design, uh, with focus on relaxation and things like that. You're not going to have this, um, you know, just all this deck. Every square inch of the of the carpet and the floor and the the walls are just packed with stuff.
1: Um, at I, the I, bar, yeah, at the bar with uh Van Heflin and then uh Jack Ryan, it yeah. like, it's just such a weird thing to like remember him in Three Ten to Yuma being like, you know, stand up guy gentleman, mm-hmm. and then you see to huge wind up and slap with the woman on the ass that with that brought over the beers. It's like what the hell, <laughs> like what yeah. happened to your character in Three Ten to Yuma? Right, right. He's a
0: justice of the peace. That's that's pretty loose on justice.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> well
1: and then uh, uh, the, the dance. I had a note about like the dancing how it was 80 percent arms and then twenty percent <laughs> kind of bobbing up and down. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. No, I actually have a note here. The bar
0: plus the sixties dancing gave me a Scooby scooby gang vibe. Because I feel like the Scooby Gang could have taken place because they're always running into the swamp or the marsh or the old house in the marsh and stuff like that. I always put Scooby-Doo in Florida for some reason, but it's actually in like Northern California. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, that whole bar and that that gave me in their their clothing that gave me sort of the Scooby Gang vibe. Um, I do have a note here, so, Leah Taylor Young and Lee Grant, the woman that um, ends up having, you know, like, is in number nine, number nine or whatever, the- yeah. yeah, the unit, they're both Meisner-trained, which is a sort of method-acting uh, particular school from New York, a playhouse out of New York City, where this, this guy... Uh, taught method acting the Meisner method they're both trained in
2: that that's interesting
0: yeah and I also have a note here that when Nancy is sort of losing it and she's sort of getting that really wild eye she has a bit of Jessica Walters from Play Misty for me
2: do you get that at all dad? You know, I didn't notice it, but you're right. Uh, Of course, how many ways can you play a crazy white lady?
0: Sure, sure.
2: Hey, one note I uh, made was how racist this movie was, the 69 version. Sure. There were hardly any black people, and they, what did they call, uh, they didn't call them beaners, but they called them everything else, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, These where it is,
2: yeah. And uh, and they and they uh, and they totally abused them.
0: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And that's you know that's probably a reflection of the actual labor situation of that time. Yeah. Um. I have You're- here. I thought the nudity in the cemetery. I thought that was actually pretty original. I'm trying to think of like any other. Um, where she just gets nude and she poses in the cemetery. I'm trying to think of another movie that's had that before.
2: Easy Rider.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's it uh, it the same year. So, they so came yeah. out the same year. Okay. Never mind. That's totally, they're just trending. They're just following trends.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I did think it was, uh, it, it got me a chuckle when, uh, so I was looking at just like the camera work. And uh, they're panning a shot to, like, the bra and her clothes. Like, I get it. She's naked. She's been naked a bunch in this. And then they put the sock in center frame as if that's, like, the final, like, all right, now you really get it. There's a, just a, is a men's sock. It's just like, like, come on. Like, why was that the focal point of that shot of showing the clothes? Well, up until then, I thought they were fully clothed. But look.
0: They took their socks off. Um, I have here a really cool movie prop from this movie. Would be a Richie's pickle jar, which is the yeah. the, the rich guy's
1: pickle business. Oh,
2: that's right. That was the the husband's pickle business. Mm-hmm. And you could have
1: uh, a was it the. Uh the L uh, what was the, what, the, the phrase that they used for the big pickle and like put that in quotes underneath the, the jar label.
2: Right, that's <laughs> what they called him behind his back. The big pickle.
0: Oh, right, the foreman.
2: Right. <laughs> the foreman was little pickle,
1: I think.
0: Yeah, little pickle.
1: Now, I'm a bit of a, a cereal connoisseur. I love all kinds of cereal. It annoyed the hell out of me when Cheryl, the little girl, had way too much milk in her cornflakes. It looked like soup at that point. Like I saw very few cornflakes; mostly just a bowl of milk. It's like, ugh. It just, just that bothered me more than anything else in this movie. You, you know, know what that that scene was correctly set because the
0: mother didn't pour it. Okay. So this is, this is a young child doing it. When you're young, you haven't figured out that ratio yet. And when you're in charge, you're just like, okay, let me just fill it to the brim with cereal. And then I'm just gonna pour a bunch because that's what you're supposed to do. And then you learn later on, this is way too soggy. This is not fun at all. This is a horrible experience. And then later you're like, okay, it just needs a splash of milk. I just don't need it to be completely dry but we don't want this soggy mess. So I would say it's actually pretty accurate because she's a young child. And she doesn't know the
1: ratios yet. I knew the ratios at that age. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you um, remember what he was paid for his job, Ryan O'Neill? What Van Heflin paid him for the handyman?
0: T- was it 200 a week?
2: <laughs> 50 a week.
0: 50 a week, okay. Oh, I probably, I probably thought, okay, two hundred a month,
2: plus room board. You, uh, Minimum wage was a dollar sixty-five. Plus nineteen sixty-nine.
0: Okay. Because that was you, yeah. That was your, I, you know, you're working
1: then. You're working minimum wage then.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. What yeah, was uh, your a dollar sixty-five times forty would be sixty-six dollars.
2: So he was oh, under yes. minimum wage.
0: <laughs> he was getting underpaid, but room and board provided. He right. he could so, just chill out. He could he could kind of F off while he was yeah. there. And you know, he had his, his pick of ladies that were were clamoring after him. And had- strategically located next to the, you know, rich guy's mistress. Right. Well the
2: little ones are gone. Yeah, he uh the two he had the two Lee's for a consolation prize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lee Taylor Young and Lee Grant.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, um I thought I thought it was actually a really interesting scene in that it takes you into Nancy's world when he's having the party and they're schmoozing and he says to her Oh, if you quit, it'll take me a week to fill your position. And it really, like that, really sunk. Lets you sink in of like this is her world. Like she is easily replaced. Her job really is not to be a secretary. It's to, you know, she's being pimped out by this guy. Right. Um. And so her her life her life is not a good one, and she's not happy. And so of course she she needs a thrill because she's trapped and she she wants out yeah she's um, definitely acting out yeah yeah um so i thought i, mean, I thought that was, you know i thought that was treated pretty well as far as like look this isn't just this you know this uh, uh spoiled brat who's just trying to mess with people like she really is it is it does come from somewhere.
1: Yeah. We knew she's trouble when she looks at rocks. She's like, let's get rocks
2: for throwing. <laughs> I knew she was in trouble when she got in the pool from the very beginning. Yeah. <laughs> but it, ma- it makes the
0: film more enjoyable. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I had to kind of scrub through this film. I had to skip ahead, you know.
2: Also, how did you guys react to Lee Grant's suicide?
0: Um, again, it's just like it. I felt like this whole movie is just troubled women, like
2: right, right um, troubled women with the problems, uh, yeah, severe yeah. mental problems.
0: I mean, and, and of course, like when that happens, I just feel awful for the daughter who was already going through a lot of junk, having to, having to, um, you know, live in a motel probably permanently and deal with her. Had to go to bed while her mom entertained, you know, future dads, that type of thing. Right.
2: And she, that's what she called them, uncles.
0: Yeah. 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 So I already she, felt bad for her. And then, of course, Andrew brings up the... She has horrible cereal ratio. So, like, her breakfast yeah. is not even good. And and then her... Yeah, and then the suicide. So, absolutely horrible.
2: And I noticed but, none of that stuff was in the second movie. Right. In, including the nudity. Exactly.
1: Different day and age. <laughs> Which is why I disliked it more. <laughs> uh, tell me about this movie. Is there
0: any nudity? Uh, nope. One star. Drew. One star. Dash Drew.
1: <laughs> also, uh, the, the toast that um, Van Heflin makes, I think it's in the toaster for about eight seconds before it's like, quote, done and then he's like buttering up like yep yeah, this is quality toast so either it's the fastest toaster i've ever seen or he's just like nah, i'm just too impatient i just set it for two seconds set it for eight seconds and just just put butter on bread not even toast
0: yeah warmed up bread or think about this one it's a second rounder you know he got it out maybe it's slightly toasted but he likes his a little more crispy he's like there let me no throw some real quick let me do a second round I love that, uh, breakfast etiquette is, is popping up in our, in this episode a lot. (laughs) Welcome to breakfasting with the, uh, Harris, Harris gang. Um, you know, let us know of your, uh, kitchen conundrums and of your, uh, eggs over easy versus sunny side up. Right. Yo. Um, yeah, and, and so, yeah. I watched this movie. I watched the '69 one first, uh, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making it work. I'm, I'm viewing different things in the movie to make it make my experience enjoyable, and I give it a whatever, a medium, a lukewarm reception. But somehow it starts to elevate after I watched the 2004 one. <laughs>
2: No, that certainly happened with me.
0: Uh, um, like, again, with the. It's as if Owen Wilson is just. He's not yeah. acting. He's just being himself. And it's they have no role. He's phoning
2: it in. He's yeah. not even trying. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and same
1: and I like thing. The- with- I like the cinematography of like they did the. Someone laughing, but there's it's silent, and they do a zoom in on them the the shot as the ambulance is leaving they do a shot from inside i really like that and so just like i just felt there was like better cinematography in the 69 one
0: yeah yeah i think it was it was a better era for it anyways because i think of i remember when we first watched rollerball the original one which i think that's mid 70s yes i remember dad making note of like look at these sort of random zoom ins into the crowd and then we watched the rest of the movie looking for these like really strange camera decisions that were made and we're like wow man they're just like they're going you know they're just being wacky with it but it kind of works just for that era of filmmaking
2: yeah um, that style
1: yeah and do you all remember that the car accident like running the the teenagers off the road and like
2: their dune yeah. buggy fucking car, yeah, killed yeah killed them. I was going to bring that up. Uh The driver of the dune buggy was somebody's son, and I I didn't write it down. I noticed it in the credits. Okay, <clears throat> and I don't know if he was the director's son or he couldn't have been uh Lee Taylor Youngs, but yeah, he might have been Lee Grant's. I don't think he could have been Ryan O'Neill's. I wish I had the credits. Yeah. To to reference. uh, Right. And (laughs) Jan noticed it, and she doesn't remember even doing it. Yeah. (laughs)
1: It says uh, Kevin O'Neill was the boy in the dune buggy. There it is.
2: That's his son.
1: That's Ryan O'Neill's son.
2: Ryan O'Neill's son.
1: My God.
0: You wouldn't even know it. They do say uh, the two. That
2: or his brother. I I can't imagine. Yeah. Like, I I thought. 1969, uh, he couldn't have had a son that old. I bet it's his brother or
1: something. And, like uh, that. I thought they had, they had uh, been killed as well, like vehicular manslaughter or, uh, it turns out later they like kind of do the 1960 and we're like, no, we can't like that brutally murder someone. So like they said, Oh, a couple of broken bones. They're fine. I was like, I don't think they would have walked away with that. No seatbelts <laughs> and no roll bar. Seriously. Over yeah. that, uh,
2: they and, uh, for that shock of murder. But then they had to back down from that.
0: Yeah. It was yeah.
2: it wasn't worth
1: reshooting. Also, were those police originally supposed to be motorcycle police? Because they both had helmets coming out of the car.
2: <laughs> they're,
1: yeah. they're doomed. That buggy probably,
2: a, the prop man couldn't get the bikes or something. <laughs> you
1: and can never win
2: two cars.
1: And then when he peels out after he gets in the driver's seat, decides to drive, he, like, peels out in the sand. But the the tires are squealing yeah. <laughs> if there's pavement.
2: <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the post.
1: Yeah,
0: the sound the sound editor was like, yeah, I got this laying around. I got this this we got the Wilhelm scream and we got the tire screech. What do you want here?
1: I uh, so, uh, because of this movie was so riveting, I decided to make a list of crimes i could think of that she had committed throughout the movie (laughs) all right what do you got all right so i have a trespassing i have um b and e i have indecent exposure i originally put down vehicular manslaughter then you know changed to just a straight up hit and run uh she's no conspiracy for theft actual theft uh and then murder it's like man she didn't like oh vandalism as well the rocks yeah yeah. it's like she racked up quite the rap sheet in this film is
0: uh indecent exposure is that does that uh does that crime get worse if you are um engaging
1: in intercourse in public (laughs) i'm not sure well i would say because um it's like I was only counting when she was caught naked in the pool as indecent exposure, where there's actual witness for it. Sure.
2: Right. There has to be a public element to the indecent. Right.
1: Cemetery. Someone okay. has to press charges.
2: Yeah. yeah. Somebody has to see
1: it. And so I didn't put on anything for uh, what happened in the other uh, cemetery or graveyard. Cemetery. Yeah. Okay.
0: The, the ghost's press charges. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> um so yeah no that's it's it is a good movie to uh just throw on and like you say if you're just gonna make a list of something or work on other stuff okay um so i guess we can jump into the 04 one, set in hawaii um has narration i just i have a note here narration nope um
1: my note for that was uh i want the title of this movie to be called i am jack's hawaiian vacation (laughs) (laughs) like reference to fight club where it's like Mm -hmm. i am jack's y'all like festering you know wound or whatever it's like <laughs> right. so like the guy's name is jack who's like i'm jack i'm in hawaii i'm like god damn it! like just You're do a fight club and thing.
2: say i'm guys. jack <laughs> wow wow guys nice. i'm in hawaii wow my uh, my theory was that they all just wanted to go to hawaii and they got financing for the film and they said let's let's make it in hawaii
0: 100 percent for sure Fuck. And they grabbed Woody Jones on the way, and he was just like, Wash, I've never been to Hawaii. And they're like, come on. I'll show you around. Willie Willie Nelson even joined them. Yeah, bring Willie Nelson. He'll have the weed. Right. And did you see that Harry Dean
1: Stanton sang?
0: Oh, did he sing? That was probably in every movie. (laughs) That's probably when I was skipping around.
2: He sang with uh, Willie Nelson.
0: Nice. And uh, Andrew Wilson, which is the Luke and Owen's older brother, is the is the um, cop that's with the justice of the peace who let finally lets him go.
1: Okay, okay. So, I knew he was in it, but I was looking for him. I right? yeah. I didn't end up seeing him. I yeah, really so, see him. yeah.
0: So he was like the processing clerk and the you know the deputy and all that stuff. So he's been in. Like, he was actually in the Tenenbaums, the Royal Tenenbaums, three times. He's narrating with Wes Anderson during the tennis match where uh, Richie is, is throwing the match. Uh, he's He plays the Amish uh, guy who chops the wood and accidentally chops Margot's finger off. So that's Andrew Wilson. And then it's actually his hand that has a BB lodged in it. When uh, when Ben Stiller goes to show his dad, and they still got that BB, they use the close-up of Andrew Wilson's actual hand. Oh wow! Um. Yeah. So instead of pickles, it's hotels. Building a hotel instead of. Growing
2: right. Uh, well, I had to. I had to give oh. some some credit for like adding a plot. Uh, yeah, but it didn't work. That's the thing. It, there was no tension. Uh, you know, no, there wasn't anything. There wasn't anything thrilling. I was never worried about Owen Wilson. I was never worried about that girl. Hell, I worried more about (laughs) Willie Nelson tripping on the steps than I did anything else that was happening. It was just flat, you know. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Not Samuel Jackson, but (laughs) Morgan Freeman. Morgan, Morgan Freeman, he was flat as flat could be. Yeah. I mean, he phoned it in.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it it felt like a pretty good it felt like a phone in, you know, like I don't know how the the movie industry works, but if there's some dollars floating around and they just have to use them, I mean they got to convince a star to do it and they got and and then they'll do it and then they reach their minimum, you know, pictures, film feature films created that year, they get a tax break or something. I, I don't know, that's, you know, that's where my mind goes. It's just it has something to do with with something that I don't understand about the movie industry <laughs> because if people were trying, you know, I heard, um, I heard, uh, who's the guy that plays Sam wise. Sean. Sean Astin. And, yeah. Yeah. Nasty. I heard Sean Astin at an interview. He he went to the Motor City comic con like um, a couple of years ago. He was interviewing, just the local news with the local internet news. And he, um, he was just talking about filmmaking in general. And he, he was saying, if people are doing something daring, if people are making, taking a risk with something, we need to just give them credit because they're doing something that we're asking them to do, which is you you need to constantly be making new things and innovating and growing. Um, So we have to, if it, if it fails, if you try something risky and it fails, you get our, you know, we still support you. You get credit for doing that. But here it is. It's the opposite of that where they're just like, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to throw together some scenes. Um, so therefore I just can't, you know, I hate, like, I, I, I feel like I have such dad, um, well, they call it dad uh, dad level of standards like the general dad level standards where i just like everything it's like i don't have a problem with anything um because i i really don't like shitting on films but if, but if there's ones that are just like just breathless there's nothing then it's like uh that could have been used by someone that's that wanted to do it <laughs>
2: Right, was it possible for him to actually try to make the movie that Elmore out of the book that Elmore Leonard wrote?
0: Yeah, yeah, a little more grit.
1: I felt this movie delved too deep into the "let's make a comedy caper" instead of just trying to do a caper or anything. Because I. There was um, these boring sound effects that were added in, and <laughs> it just it made it seem like I was watching a slapstick film. Uh, the one uh, major note was when Gary Sinise gets pushed down the stairs when he lands, music there's like some sort of line or like something goes boring, boing. and like it's really quiet, but it does like this boing noise. I'm like,
2: um, oh, I didn't know I was watching comedy. <laughs> you know, I have it's, a note that it's it's comedic. It's almost like a comedy.
0: Yeah. Like a full blown comedy. Yeah. Early 2000s, late 90s caper,
1: but way over the top and, but horrible too. Yeah. And they use, you know, like worn out, you know, gay jokes that are just like low hanging, low effort and overused in the 90s and thousands. It's like, it was just like, I forgot how often that just gets thrown in of like, oh, emasculate someone or like, oh, the big punchline is that the, the tough cop happens to be gay it's like It's just, it's yeah. just really annoyed with movies from nineties and the thousands for that yeah. makes it dated for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause we've moved on. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Like uh, not all these movies are going to be great.
1: <laughs> I can say three nice things about the movie. Uh, I really did like the moon to the sun water transition. And they kind of spoiled it a little by then, like, moving the waves to, like, really nail it home. Like, oh, we did this underwater. So let's splash the water a little bit to make sure you knew it was underwater. It's like, no, just do the transition and cut. But, like, I enjoyed, you know, throwing in some cinematography. I really liked uh, B.B. Neurworth as Allison. That's uh, yeah, Lilith that's from brilliant. Cheers. No, I got a huge on her. Yeah, she's... I just enjoy her. Uh, I just enjoy her acting. And uh, I did like the... So it's usually like a guy that has his wife and a mistress. They come home at the same time. And he's running from one to the other and keeping them separate and distracted. I did like that it was a big twist on that with having it be the woman that has two guys. It was like, I don't think you ever see that in film. And like, that's yeah. a an old joke of like a three room comedy and two people that can't meet each other and you're, you know, Peter Sellers did it a lot and it was hilarious in like the pink panda movies, but it was refreshing and cool to see it. So just the genders flipped was, was yeah. clever. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about BB. Yeah.
0: I like her a lot as Lilith and Frasier. She, uh, yeah, she's very attractive to me. That really cold, uptight psychiatrist type.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she has that character down.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's actually fun to go back to um uh certain episodes of Cheers that are like really monumental in the Frasier world. That then go on into Frasier.
2: Okay, sure.
0: Yeah, because there's there's ten years of Cheers and then eleven years of Frasier, so between that you have, you know, twenty seasons
1: of of classic sitcom. Yeah, I've actually been watching uh, the Cheers. I'm still like in the middle. I'm still like season five. I worked backwards. I watched all of Frasier first, and now I'm working on watching all of Cheers.
0: Okay. Good stuff. That's what uh, you know, when when Allie was pregnant, and we just didn't want to watch anything violent. We watched all the Frasers. <laughs> nice, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I am I am very pleased that we uh decided to do both movies instead of giving each one a different episode. Right. So I am pleased with that. And, um, yeah, uh, I am, I am loving the podcast, man. I, I, I'm really enjoying myself. I'm so glad that we pulled the trigger on this and uh, the feedback that I am getting is that people are enjoying it or like you're saying, like people just love the fact that we're doing this. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very happy you guys are along for the ride.